When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. With one of the best savings rates in America, banking with Capital One is the easiest decision in the history of decisions. Even easier than choosing Slash to be in your band. Next up for lead guitar. You're in. Cool. <laughs> yep, even easier than that. And with no fees or minimums on checking and savings accounts, is it even a decision? That's banking reimagined. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com slash bank for details. Capital One and a member FDIC. You are tuned in to another edition of Americana Music Profiles. Brought to you by Americana Rhythm Music Magazine and AmericanaMusicMagazine.com. I'm your host, Greg Tutwiler. Let's jump right in to the next exciting interview. Barry Abernathy is a founding member of one of Bluegrass Music's hottest new acts on the road today, Appalachian Roadshow. And while their future seems bright indeed, Barry had a few songs in his back pocket that he had recorded prior to forming the new band, and it seemed like now was as good a time as any for a new CD release. Barry joins me to talk about his musical career, his new band, and his latest CD, Barry Abernathy and Friends, on this edition of Americana Music Profiles. Hi, Barry. Welcome to the podcast today. Hey, Greg. Good to, be, good to be with you. I appreciate you having me. Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate getting a chance to talk to you again. We've had a chance to talk a couple times, and it uh, um, yeah. seems like you got all kinds of cool stuff going on, so um, we want to... I've got plenty of time. I've got plenty of time to, uh, to make up cool Oh, stuff. my gosh. <laughs> I tell you, I, I feel like a broken record. We talk about this all the time, but I, I, I know uh, as fans and... and um, uh, of the music and and certainly as as artists, um, I, I know we're all ready. <laughs> we're all ready to get back to work. So, uh, oh, absolutely. But we, actually, I, we actually got to work a little bit in January. We went to Florida and uh, worked. Uh, we actually had a couple outdoor gigs and a couple of indoor gigs, but it was uh, you know socially distanced. But we it was wonderful to be back out playing. Yes, sir. I bet it was. Well, you have been immersed in the bluegrass world for quite a while. Um, maybe for the folks that are catching us um, for the first time and, and maybe don't know exactly who you are, bring us up to speed. How, how did all of this start for you um, in the bluegrass music? Um, when when well, teenager? Yeah, I started. I started loving music in general. Uh, well, I always have. I'm, I'm, I can't hardly remember it, but my mom, uh, I can remember a little bit about it, but, you know, my mom bought me a, I liked uh, Buck Owens off when I was a kid, mm. and my mom had bought me a little red guitar that was kind of like the one Buck had, 
and I just couldn't call it or anything. You know, I didn't know anything about it. But I would, I would sit out there and play sing songs for the neighbor's kids. You know, I had all the kids to come over, and then I was like two or three years old. Yeah. I'd get on the steps. And, and back then, we didn't have, have big porch. We just had the cement box for steps. You know, I'd sit on the steps, and my mom would make everybody Kool-Aid, and I'd, I'd entertain them. So that started at a young age. And then, you know, you got your sports and stuff that come up through school, and you get into all that. And then by the time I was about... Well, when I was 11, I, I started really loving singing in, in church. You know, I started uh, leading songs in church, and then me and my cousin, Lowell Davis, we started singing together as, as a duet and uh, went all over this, this area, you know, this little tri-state area where I live in North Georgia Mountains, and sang, and I, I started learning how to play mandolin, uh, probably about 14, something like that. And uh, same with the banjo. I started the banjo maybe a little bit before that and uh, just fell in love with it. So I, I've been doing this for a long, long time and then started playing professionally in 93. Uh, I went to with a group called Third Time Out. Yeah. And uh, stayed with them a little less than a year than I went to work with Doyle Austin and Quicksilver. Okay. Yeah. So you got to play they, with they, uh, some of the big names then. Some of my heroes, yeah. Yeah. It was, it, was, it, was, uh, it was a good experience. And then we started. Uh, Started Mountain Hearts, the group Mountain Heart, uh, Steve Gully, Jim Van Cleve, and myself. We started that group in uh, '99. We left. I left Doyle, and uh, the last show was in December of, of '98. And uh, we started in February '99 working shows with Mountain Heart. And I had I had that band until 2015, and then stayed out for two or three years and started this band in 2019. So. And the band that you are presently with is the Appalachian Road Show, right? Appalachian Road Show. Yeah, Appal- it depends Appal- on where you're at. Here, here, here it's Appalachian, and where you're at is Appalachian. Appalachian, <laughs> Appalachian. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. That's that's one of those words. <laughs> yeah. uh, the Appalachian Road Show, and uh, which is, um, and we had a chance to talk about that. Folks can can dial back through our our shows and probably find that one. Uh, uh, maybe two years ago, you guys were have been together for but uh, since about 2018. Is that right? Well, we, we we recorded the record in 2018, in the summer of 2018. We released it, uh, IBMA, we put it in October. I think it was well, actually, we didn't have it released yet. I think the 26th or 28th of October of 2018. And we started taking dates in, uh, at the first of the year. We started taking dates and actually formed the band at, at the first year. But we recorded the album in, 18, in 2018, and then we uh, decided to make a go of it in 2019. And you guys have a little bit different approach uh, to the music um, than kind of the traditional um, bluegrass act that has some yeah. originals and done some covers. You you guys have a little bit of a theme to what you're doing, right? Yeah, it's, it's a theme. We want to look. We want it to look and feel and sound. You know, we don't want to sound like we're you know our banjos are are in the 1920s, and and, and you know, we don't want to be. And yeah, nothing wrong with being with somebody not being in tune, but we want to have our instruments in tune, and we want to be in the, in time and in the pocket, you know, with, with that type of. Uh, uh, we want our our skills uh, to be expert expert if, if we can, if possible. Yeah. But we want to capture the spirit. We want to capture the spirit of of the music of the Appalachian Mountain people, and, and how the music came over, even from the beginning, the stuff that came over from from Scotland, Ireland, England, yeah. West Africa, and, and things that came over, and how how those sounds all melded together uh, through time to form what we have now, you know, which, yeah. you know, Appalachian, the folk music, bluegrass music, whatever you, you call it, you know, all those things kind of derived from 
the fact that people were settling in, in this country, and the first place really that kind of was a stopping point for them was the Appalachian Mountains, you know. It wasn't as easy to get over the Appalachian Mountains as it was to come off the beach, you know, somewhere out right, of the right. somewhere in the city. So, so I think those things, you know, that's kind of how things uh, got started, and we want to capture the spirit of that. And, of course, you know, I, I'm, I live in the North Georgia Mountains. My, my grandparents, uh, great-grandparents were all sawmillers and loggers, and, and, you know, we sing songs about, about different industries and different anything anything Appalachian basically we're we're trying to cover it. Uh, mm-hmm. Some songs are huge. Jim writes a lot of songs. Daryl writes songs. Uh, some things are new. Some things we pull up old stuff and do it. Just uh, but we're covering. We're trying to cover the gamut of of Appalachian people and their culture. And during our show, you know, we talk about it, but, but we don't just sit and talk. We actually there's music involved. You know, yeah. we might tell a quick story and, and, and the music behind. You know, Jimmy will stand behind me with a fiddle, and Daryl will have his octave mandolin or something. They'll they'll play a little tune. A lot of times they just riff. They don't even hmm. have anything planned. They just riff, and and whatever comes out comes out. But it sets the mood for what what I might be saying. And the same with Daryl. Mm-hmm. Daryl does something. Zeb plays the guitar, and he kind of sets the mood. Uh, I think what he does right now is that he's been playing a little bit of the old timey sound in the version of Shady Grove. Oh yeah, okay. Playing it slow. Yeah, and, and a minor key. Yeah. mood for Daryl's story. Yeah. So just that, that type of stuff is, is the way the show goes. And it, it, got, it starts it starts with the industries and it goes down through, you know, how they worshiped in the churches and, and you know, how people live their lives and, and, and what they did for a living and, and uh, what they did on their spare time and the songs that they sang and played. You know, we just kind of covered the, to run, run the gamut of all that. Yeah. It's fun. It's yeah. a lot of fun. Well, we certainly want to uh, want people to go out and and check that out as soon as you guys can get back out on the road. Um, but one of the reasons we're getting together today is that you actually have a, uh, I guess we'll, it's not really a solo record, but you, you've you got a lot of help. But it's a, a personal project yeah. that uh, you you're putting together and releasing in the midst of all of this slowdown, and it's kind of in addition to what you're doing with the Appalachian Roadshow. Tell us about about your new album. Well, I will, and, and the funny thing about it is, is this was the precursor to Appalachian Roadshow. When when I left Mountain Heart uh, in '15, I mean, Jim Jim Van Cleve and myself stayed in real close contact. We talked every day, mm-hmm. and, and still do. Now we're business partners again, you know. But uh, but anyway, we talked, and I had I was going in. I had the uh, neck surgery. I was having trouble playing the banjo, and still I still do. I have trouble, but it's got some better. But uh, I had three uh, herniated discs in my neck, and mm-hmm. I had uh, had neck fusion. And so the doctor told me, he said, he said, do you sing as well? And I said, well, yeah, but I just never have really been a lead singer, you know. But I, but I do sing. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I've been part of my living. He said, well, there's a possibility that you know we hit a nerve or we cut something. I mean, it's happened. And he said, so I want you to know the risk of, of having that surgery is mm-hmm. that we had something you might lose your voice, you know, your t- singing voice. So I started getting worried, and I started sitting down with songs that I like, and this concept that I had about Appalachian Roadshow that I was pushing out in the future. You know, I, I was I talked to several people about it and, and gave some interest from some other players and seeing if anybody might be interested in doing it with me. And yeah. of course, everybody was busy at the time, you know. So I kind of had put it off. But these songs that I had laid up in my mind, I started singing. I started getting my guitar out, going in a room and locking myself in the room and turning my phone on and just recording them on voice recorder. And all these songs on this record, that's where they came from. The mm. stuff that I liked. I might have heard my grandpa sing or heard somebody sing when I was young and, 
and uh, most of them. You know, there's a few that I pulled. I pulled a couple of Buddy Miller songs and, and a few different things I pulled out that, uh, you know, that, that maybe wasn't something I grew up with, but I loved singing them, and it was stuff that, that was me. So I got thinking, and, and Jim and myself got talking. I got sending him some of the stuff. I would email him a song, and he'd say, man, that is so cool. It's so cool for the concept that you're talking about doing. Yeah. He said, you know what? He said, right now you're in, you're in a holding pattern. He said, you should just cut a record. So this has been, this was 2000, probably 15 or 16 when oh, we wow. did this, probably not, like somewhere around that range. But I, I guess it's been four years, so so probably probably 16, maybe maybe late 16, something like that. Anyway, he said, you should cut a record. So we just went in the studio. I think I was Sam Bush, Brian Sutton. Uh, I wasn't playing banjo at the time, so we got Ron Stewart to come in and play banjo on it. Uh, Jason Moore, who was bass player from Mount Heart, Jim Van Cleve, and Rob Ike. So that was the band. Mm. And then we had Doyle Austin. Doyle Austin come in and joined the band on a cut and did uh, mandolin and, and sang with me on a song that uh, that I grew up listening to and I knew it was in Doyle style of music. So he he sang tenor on, on that song with yeah. me. So it was a, it was a blast. Then our, we had guests. We had Vince Gill. Uh, Vince did two songs with me. Dan Kaminsky did a song. Sean Lane of Blue Highway fame, he did, he did two songs with me. Uh, my former partner Steve Gully, who who just passed away back in August. I, yeah. I don't know if you knew that or not. I did. Steve, yeah. Uh, he, he did. He did about four songs with me. Wow. Uh, just parts there. And uh, Rhonda Vincent did a song with me. And so I mean, we we've got a all star cast. But now I did all the lead singing. I, I tried to make it a little more of a solo as far as singing goes because I've never featured myself on anything. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, the band, even in the bands that I that I was an owner of, I didn't really feature myself. I always had a featured singer, and I played the banjo for the most part. Mm-hmm. But this particular record I sang, and I just had these folks sing harmony with me. And uh, we didn't give them lead lines, we just, they just sang harmony with me. And it was, a, it was a dream come true, but that's been that many years ago. And during the, and to say all that, I said all that to say this, during that time, we formed Appalachian Roadshow while this project was in the mixing stage. Well, when we got the record deal with Billy Blue, uh, I didn't want to hold off on, on Appalachian Roadshow, so I said, well, let's just put this in the can. Let's just set it back, and we'll cut a couple of records of Appalachian Roadshow, and when the name gets out, then we'll, we'll drop this in between a couple of records. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. And so that's what we did. The record's actually about four years old. Okay, okay. Actually about four years old now. So, but, but that said, we're, we're releasing it there in February. So Okay, and you, you've already got at least one single out, right? Yeah, yeah, we got Birmingham Jail out as a single, and uh, I just I, we released it about two weeks ago. And Jerry Sally, uh, the head of the label, called and said, uh, "He said, man, we got twenty thousand six hundred DSP spins. Uh, he said that's the most we've ever had on a single with Billy Blue so far." And I was thinking, "Wow, this song even out? <laughs> wow, I was like, what, what, is this song even getting played?" And the next thing you know. He said he got played 20,600 times this week, which is great. You know, so yeah. I'm, expecting a big, I'm expecting a big check off of that. <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> We're going to pause for just a moment. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the interview. Now, will you guys try to incorporate some of these songs into the Appalachian Roadshow uh, performance when you guys get back out? Yeah, we actually do a couple now. Uh, we, we do... Uh, Lost John, my version of Lost John, we close the show with it. But, uh, but yeah, for the most part, we're going to keep, you know, we'll do some of them, but I don't want to oversaturate, uh, 
you know, the the, the band and the brand of the band, you know, mm-hmm. with, with my solo stuff. And we kind of discourage cutting solo projects, you know, within the band because it, it you know, sometimes it's conflict of interest. Sure. The bottom line is I had, I had uh, thousands and thousands of dollars in this, you know, so right. I wanted to make sure that, that I could at least make my money back. So it's probably the only one I'll ever cut, you know, that's a solo type deal. But, uh, but everybody seems to be fine with it. But yeah, we do a couple of the songs now, you know, and, and probably we'll do, you know, we might replace them with a couple others and just kind of keep it fresh. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So do you guys have anything new in the works with uh, the Appalachian Roadshow band? Well, we're not, we're not in the studio right now, but we're, we're in the early stages. We've got, uh, short list of songs to pick from, probably 20, 25 songs that we like. Uh, Jim is, you know, constantly writing instrumentals and different things, uh, and we have a few writing sessions uh, lined up with some people right now to, to kind of write towards our next theme, and, uh, you know, it's just, you know, it's hard. you got to keep yourself fresh. You don't, you almost have to reinvent yourself every time out because, you know, you don't want to, you don't want to be a carbon copy of yourself every time you cut a record. Right. You know, I like I like, I enjoy themed records. I like stuff that has a theme, and, and uh, as long as it flows good, you know, I like stuff that has a theme to it. So, so that's a thrill for me, you know, to kind of come up with stuff and find material that that fits what we're the narrative that we're talking talking about at the time. You know? Right? Yeah, yeah. It it feels like uh, you know you you mentioned the word reinvent. It kind of feels like we're at a. Uh, NASCAR race under a caution flag. You know, everybody's backed up at the <laughs> behind the pace car, waiting for somebody to to roll the green flag and and get back out there. What does it look like for you guys when you get to do that? Do you have you have dates lined up that you're hoping you're going to be able yeah. to to meet? Yeah, we have we have a, a good bit of dates. I had I think I had 47 at the first of the year, and it actually I had. Had them canceled down to about thirty-two. Wow! And oh now, now I'm back up. Now I'm back up in the in the forties again. Okay. So I'm hoping. So I'm I'm going to end up to fifty. I'd be pretty thrilled with fifty dates by the time it's all over. You know, if uh, if things can come back, like right now, my February March dates all got canceled. Uh, my April dates. It's funny. I lost as many April dates as I gained, but I gained. I lost three, and I've gained three. Okay, it's weird. So I'm yeah. so. So instead of having six, I've got three. But at first year, I just had three. But then there's some outdoor venues that decided they were going to move forward, and uh, you know we we got it worked out. So we've got we've got three in April, and we've got uh, three or so in May. Yeah. And we, we lost our trip. We were going to Ireland in May. Wow. And we were also going to England in May. So we were supposed to do England one week, come back for a week, and then go to Ireland, and then we we had a tentative. And the Czech Republic also, mm. or, or either one of those trips is going to be a, you know, a bounce over from from England or Ireland over to Czech Republic and do a do a couple of shows. So we were looking forward to all that, and of course that's off the table now. Probably twenty twenty two before we get to do those. But yeah. uh, then, it, but by the end of May, it wraps up. June is full. Uh, July is nasty. You know, so so. August is slam full, and September's completely full. October is probably three quarters full, and then we've got a couple in November, and and I think one in December. So it's, uh, you know, it, it just depends on this virus. You know what yeah. happens. And, yeah, I know, I know. It's so, it's so frustrating, uh, for sure. And uh, I, I know we'll all be, I'll be glad when it's over. <laughs> oh um, yeah, I will be. Sure. I, I I wanted to uh, mention I, I caught a, 
a video clip um, earlier this morning, I guess. Uh, I was going to ask um, when I was working on my notes here uh, what you do to keep yourself busy in, in this downtime, but you guys actually uh, took kind of an interesting um, twist on that and adopted a couple children. <laughs> um, I, oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I saw the Today Show clip and I just, man, that was so, so neat. And I, uh, if you don't mind, just, just tell us a little piece no, of that because, I, man, that is such a cool story. Well, the, the story is the story. There's, it's almost like you can't tell a piece of it without without giving God all the credit for it. Absolutely. So, I, I, can, I can convince it as much as possible, but the bottom line was my wife and I, we've have, we have our children raised. I mean, my youngest daughter is a junior in high school. My mm-hmm. oldest daughter has been graduated for a couple of years. And my oldest daughter worked at a daycare. And and it was a it's a daycare that mostly take, they take out a lot of foster kids and, and people that are you know that that come in and families that are bringing in foster kids. It seems like they have a lot of those. Well, my daughter comes in broken hearted about once a week. I mean, there's you know oh, there's a yeah, sad sure. case yeah. of children and you know and she's one of them that'll bring home dogs and cats and she rescues everything you know. And but me and my wife have never never crossed our mind to adopt or foster or start over or anything never yeah. never even crossed my mind and uh the the story in a nutshell my daughter came home a couple of weeks before this, this happened and told us about these kids and she she uh said dad you just got to see you got to see this little boy especially she said both of them are, are darling but you've got to see this little boy he's got a hand that's just like yours and for people that don't know i i, I play banjo and, and some guitar and stuff but i don't have uh any fingers on my left hand i just have a thumb and right. just uh my buddies call it the nub. They call it the nub. <laughs> but I've got the nub, uh, the nub of a finger for yeah. a first time. You know. And uh, so anyway, I said, well, that's something I said, I'd like to see them sometime. You know, she said, I wish we could help them, Daddy. It's so pitiful. They come from a drug bus, and they've been moved eight times in oh, nine my. months. And, oh, and we were we were the ninth in ten months when we ended up taking them. We were the ninth placement in ten months. Mm. They've been moved basically once a month, you know. And uh, anyway, they... They had, uh, they were going through a rough time, and then they were so hard to handle at the time. But anyway, to try to shorten it up as much as possible, two weeks went by. I was on my way to, to leave to go on the road to play with that black and road show. We just got the band started good. And uh, anyway, I was headed out on, on the road, and I was taking my youngest daughter to my mom's, and I started to, I got about two miles from the uh, daycare center. And it's literally, I'm not joking, it felt like God just got in the car with me. Mm. I, it was so heavy. Mm. And I just, I was, uh, I looked at my daughter and I said, I'm going to run by and see those kids. And she said, Daddy, I knew you were going to do that. And I said, <laughs> you didn't. And she said, I could, I could just tell. I knew you were. Oh, and she said, I'm your baby. You know, I'm your baby. And I said, well, honey, I'm not taking any of the kids. I said, I just feel like we need to go by and see them. So we did. And when we went by to see them, the little boy, Tyler, he had, he had saw me play banjo and okay. he never neither, neither child had ever known who their dad was uh-huh. neither wow. one of them never known a dad so they, their mom you know they had separate dads but neither one of them knew their dad and uh so they had never had a man around or anything so he, i walk in the room and he sees me and he jumps up out from the table he was at and he runs and he said hey look he, he patted his little buddy on the head and said that's my dad and he runs oh, up wow. and he said you're my dad he jumps up and he climbs up my chest and kisses me in the face and, and says you my dad and i said i didn't know what to say i was speechless yeah so long 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 story real long story short as much as possible i saw both of them i left told my wife i wouldn't seen them she uh 
she had went by that morning, we had not had a discussion about it. She felt the same way that morning. She said, I just felt like I need to go see him. Uh, and uh, so I called her when I got to Dalton, Georgia. I was about 45 minutes and a half. I called her and told her that I'd stopped by. And she said, what are you thinking? She said, I stopped by. I said, I'm not thinking anything. I said, she said, well, do you feel like we need to help him? And I said, I feel something, but I'm not going to say. I said, I'm just not going to say. Yeah. I said, there's no way. I, I'm 50. I can't do it, you know. Yeah. And I just stopped in a serious uh, almost an argument with God because I knew what he was doing. I knew he was putting on me to take these kids. Oh, my. And the, and the reason the reason behind God's ways of doing things, when all come when it all came down to it, two days later, uh, the parents that had these kids decided that they couldn't handle them and they returned them back into uh, the state. Well, the state called the daycare center that Friday. I left on Wednesday, uh, Wednesday evening. So on Friday morning, the state called, said, we'll be picking those kids up today the parents are not going to take them back and, and we're going to have to take them to a group home which is an orphanage you know mm -hmm. when you get to an orphanage you're basically going to be split up and, and give up on you know mm -hmm. they've tried yeah. for a year and a half and they, can't, they can't get them they can't get them in anywhere so uh, they gave up on them so God knew that and he knew that, that somehow the, I, the man with the least patience in the world he's going to teach some patience to <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, that's, that's pretty much what happened we had them we picked them up on, on Friday, my wife did, and uh, we had some friends that, that worked with the defects here in LJ, and they said that since my daughter worked with them, they could call it fictive kin, if that makes sense to you. Fictive kin means you're same as kin since you worked with them. Yeah. You're almost like a teacher, too. Uh -huh. So we got to take them home, and, and they've been here ever since. Oh, my. Uh, wow. They didn't take them to home, so we adopted in May, uh, this past May. Wow. We adopted them, and, they're, they're, they're a little Abernathy's now. <laughs> right, yeah, well, I mean, imagine uh, the blessing of you being off the road uh, and, and being able to really yeah. pour into that, you know, and with all the extra time that you've got, um, just adds to the it's, story. It's really strange, thing. I, I, feel, I feel like, uh, I mean, I ain't saying it's not hard, because it is hard, raising hard, financially it's hard, everything, it's hard, but I say this, I feel like the woman with the barrel of meals and the cruise of oil. I thought when we took these kids in, I mean, I literally told God out loud in, in a screaming voice, I can't do this. I don't make enough money to make my house pay, but you can't do this to me. Yeah. God, this is a you can put this burden on me. And, and then finally I gave in. I said, well, you're going to have to make a way. And he has, it's been unbelievable. I've, somehow I have survived through all this pandemic. You know, we haven't traveled, so we don't spend as much money. Right. Uh, House pay the banks have been lenient with house payments, and, and they it don't count against you. They let them, but if you need them to move one back, they'll move it back to the back end, and they just they work with us. And, and honestly, I've made it just about as good as I did or better than, than I was when I was working all the time. You know, yeah. it's just been wow. strange. Wow. How, how God works, you know. Yeah. You, you, tell him, you tell him to make a way, and then he shows off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I appreciate you telling that story. I just I wanted to capture that. I saw that today episode uh, video, and I thought, you know, man, we we got to we got to finish up with that story because I just. Um, oh well, that's awesome. Yeah, I'm yeah. glad you did. I I don't mind telling it a bit. I, like I say, I don't I don't mind uh, especially you know bragging on on uh, somebody's worth worth bragging on besides yeah. me because I'm I'm not worth a ton of it. But, yeah. Uh, but yeah. I'm glad. I'm glad that God takes care of, of, of little children. You Absolutely, know, and, and send, well, help each other. Yeah, we all we're all in this world to help each other. That's right. That's right. Well, thank you, Barry. Um, the the record is Barry Abernathy and Friends. Um, I'm guessing they can go to the Appalachian Roadshow website. 
but yeah, yeah, it'll be released uh, February the twenty sixth, and they can go to the Appalachian Road Show website and get it. They can they can reach out to me via Facebook or social media. My my number and everything's on the on the uh, Appalachian Road Show website as well. And so uh, it shouldn't be any problem to get it. And I'm, I'm hope, hopefully it'll be in stores, you know, in some store for the carry bluegrass. It'll right, be, sure. Yeah. Bluegrass, no time you if you'll be able to find it. Yeah, good. Well, I certainly wish you well with it, Barry. Thank you, and I, I'm sure we'll get a chance to cross paths out there in the bluegrass world somewhere, and I'm looking forward to that too. And wish you guys the best. It's always a pleasure, Greg. We really appreciate what you've done to to help the music out in general, but especially especially us. Thank you, Barry. Thanks again for tuning in to this episode of Americana Music Profiles. Find us on iTunes at Americana Music Profiles and on the Internet at AmericanaRhythm.com. With one of the best savings rates in America, banking with Capital One is the easiest decision in the history of decisions. Even easier than choosing Slash to be in your band. Next up for lead guitar. You're in. Cool. <laughs> yep, even easier than that. And with no fees or minimums on checking and savings accounts, is it even a decision? That's banking reimagined. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com slash bank for details. Capital One and a member FDIC. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.